Welcome home. It's good to be back. Uh, being there during first service to me when I get up and I speak, it's like, all right, oh, first service, it's just like, it's the warm up, right? It's the warm up. But the second service is where it's at, right? All right. I was told you guys were like super quiet and stoic, but it seems to me like this is going to be the good one, right? We're going to kill it. All right. That's super weak, but we're going to roll with it. We're going to roll with it. Because here's the thing. I, as I was talking, I, w- I was looking out and there were a bunch of necks from mainly over here just kept going like this. Looking over there. And what was funny is like it kept happening over and over. Like right here. And then over here in the this section, all the time. And so I'm up here and I'm speaking. I'm trying to bring the word. And it's stinking junior hires and high schoolers, right? Oh my gosh, talking nonstop. And, and then somebody at the end was like, I'm so sorry about that, Russ. I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Like these kids someday are going to grow up and they're going to bring their kids here and they're going to be faithful. And they're going to raise their kids in the way that they should go so that when they're older, they don't depart. Because that punk kid in the back, which is funny because some of them still sit in the back. Hi, Jason. (laughs) They are going to grow up. And they're going to have families. And they're going to be faithful. And they're going to get to say, welcome home. So Central, welcome home. Can we have some fun today? Amen. Let's bust open the Bible. I want you to get into Exodus chapter 20 and just park it there. Just park it in Exodus chapter 20. You know, this morning we're going to have this overarching theme of faithfulness. What in the world does it mean to be faithfulness? To be faithfulness. Ah, To be faithful. What does it mean? What does it mean? Because that's that's a word that we throw out in church. Like, man, they've been so faithful at our church over so many years. And then you hear Rick, because you guys have been so faithful and you're giving your tithes and offerings. He doesn't really talk like that, but that's how he sounds in my head. (laughs) But what in the world does being faithful mean? Because we can say it. And then you guys could open up your Bible and you could read it. And then maybe you go home and you talk about it. And then Monday, it's just gone. It's just a word. But what does it mean to really be faithful? What does it mean to get what we have in here Breathe it in and live it out. What does it mean? What does it mean? I talked about it in first service, how there was this kid that when we used to go to junior high and high school camps named Vinny, who every single year the time would come and there'd be the altar call and the fire would be going and everyone's like, oh, this is so magical. And he'd give his life over to Christ. And it'd be every single year, every year, And by like the second or third year, we're all looking around as youth leaders going, did the first one not take? What happened? Like, what's he doing? For real, what's this this kid doing? The fourth year, and like, Vinny, what's going on? Like, like, dude, I just, I've had a really hard year. I need to give my life to Christ. And you know, as a student pastor, that's one of the things that I, like, on one hand, man, it just frustrates me. But on the other hand, I almost think like, man, if we could be a little bit more like Vinny, life's been really rough. God's been really faithful. (sighs) Maybe we just come back home. Welcome home. What does it mean? 
Last week, Dan was up here, and he talked about what it means to be image bearers. What does it mean to reflect the image of God and be transformed into the kind of people that God wants us to be? And as God's children, to be recognized as his kids. Because it's easy to be like Vinny, right? It's easy every single year to just go through life accepting Christ, but living like it doesn't mean a thing. It's easy to fake it. It's, it's easy. It's easy to come in here every Sunday morning at 9 or 11 and just say, my life's been awesome. I've had a good week. How you doing? Super. It's easy. It's easy to leave it just like that. To come in a service and say, good message, pastor, and then leave. It's easy. It's easy. But when Jenny or Scott or someone gets up on stage and they say, welcome home, it means your family. And it means that the simple answer, it's not going to cut it. Because there is no right to privacy in a healthy Christian community. So when we say welcome home, you better believe we mean welcome home. How was your week? Man, I've been praying for you. How have you been bearing his image? And then once we get it, we lean into it hard every single day. Because from last week, here's this bottom line, is that if we get this, there's no way to be Vinny. There's no way to fake it. There's no way. He's our dad. We are his kids. And together, what are we? Family. We're family. Today, we're not going to get this one commandment, and we're not going to break it down. So if that's what you were expecting, sorry. That's not what we're going to do. We're going to go over a whole 10 commandments context and go, what is this all about? What is this all about? So here's what we can do. We can take the 10 commandments as they are. A set of rules and laws meant to guide God's children. One hand, right? Or we can take it as they really are. A set of rules and laws and guidelines meant to guide God's children. Did you just do that? Yeah, I just did that. Because that's what they are. That's what the Ten Commandments are. That's what the 613 commandments throughout the Old Testament are. They are laws meant to guide God's children. But why? Why were they given in the first place? Could God not have just said, there they, yeah, totally. Totally could have done that. He absolutely, unequivocally could have just pulled a God and just said, here they are, do this, you're set. But it's so much more than that. It's this beautiful, magical story. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to open up your Bible now in Exodus chapter 20. And we can go through this as a list. And as I'm saying these things, you can skim through it. But what I want you to do is to create two sections on your paper. If you take notes on your phone, you're probably pretty hosed at this point. Two sections. You're going to have a left and you're going to have a right. And on the left-hand side, we're going to talk about the Ten Commandments as how they relate for our relationship to God. So part of the section devoted to how to be part of the family, section one, for God to remember our relation to him. So on this side, we have the first one, no other gods before me. We get that. The second one, 
You are to have no idols. Third, do not misuse my name. And now we move to the right side. This is for family to remember our relationship or relation to one another. To remember the Sabbath. And for some of you, you might go, I thought that was like on the left-hand side. I thought that was to describe our relationship to God. How many of you are busy, tired, stressed, maybe trying to make ends meet in the Silicon Valley because it's not too easy, right? It's not easy. It's not easy at all. And so through that context, think about it just a bit. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy because this world is busy and you're tired and you're stressed. And if you don't take a break, your kids aren't going to know your name. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Honor your parents. So each one of these things, it's this long breath of laws. And now we're just hitting quick. Boom. Don't murder. Should be simple, right? Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Last week. Don't give false testimony. And lastly, don't covet. And there's a, there's a reason on how these things are divided. On one side, we have these three that describe our relation to God. And over here, we have these seven that describe our relation to one another. And then you go, why the heck is it arranged this way? Because at our core, we're selfish. And what this is trying to do is to teach us how to be selfless. How did we get here? How did we get here? Why are we talking about the Ten Commandments? Why are we even talking about law inside a church? I thought we we're in the New Testament. I thought we we're under the law of grace. Does that mean the old is gone and the new is here? Nah, it means the old is different. Not bad, different. What is the law? Start writing some things down. The law is meant for freedom, not oppression. The law is meant for freedom, not oppression. But by a show of hands, how many times have you read it or heard people speak on it or watch, you know, Ten Commandments on TV, and it's all about this oppressive force. You must do this because you can't do this. Anybody? Was that just me and how, like, I grew up and came to faith as a teenager, and that's how I viewed the law as, oh my, I don't want to follow this stuff. Like, is it? No, I'm not going to do that. How many of you sped to get here this morning? I did, it's okay. You guys could all lie. It's fine. Um, I did this during first service and there was like one hand that went up and I'm just like, all right, I can't be the only sinner here in this church. I can't because I realized from the last time I was here, the speed on Curtner changed. Sweet, sweet. I sped, but when God gives these laws, they're meant to be followed. And most of the time when we read things in scripture, we put them through our own eyes and through our own lens. And we go, if it works for me, sounds good, right? But can we take that if it works for me out into the world? No, I guarantee you, you can't. Because five minutes here yesterday, after getting off the plane, there was some bro who decided he'd go in his nice little WRX Subaru. You know the type, right? How many of you have that car? Sweet. Oh, that was good. He just, he pulled in front of a cop and burned. Just, just did it. Because he viewed the law, if it works for me, sweet. 
It didn't work for him. Ticket. Immediately. What an idiot. I can say that, I think. But here's the deal. There are rules that we follow and that we accept to our core. And there are rules that we don't really follow because they don't really mesh with what we want to do. And we get lax on it. Does it mean that these rules should be tossed? No, not at all. So we look at it. I want you to write this down, that as you look at the Ten Commandments, these are His laws. There are guidelines, and they mark the best path forward for us to live. Because God, as our Father, wants to set us up for what? Success, not failure. So he doesn't give us these laws so we can break them. He give us, gives us these laws so we have a way back home. So remember where the Israelites came from, right? They were where? For how long? 430 years. 430 years. There was a massive push to wipe them out because they, got, they got way too numerous. And God delivered them through plagues and a not so willing leader. And as you read this, it's impossible to read it and not understand a few things. First, that God is a God of miracles. Write this down. I don't know what pit you're in or what Egypt you're in, but there's no way to read through the book of Exodus without understanding that God is a God of miracles. He will make a way when everything else seems impossible. I can't imagine that in this room, some of you aren't completely underwater, that some of you are wondering, how the stink am I going to pay rent this week? What am I going to do? Where's food coming from? That's life. I'm here to tell you that as I read scripture and as I pray, I don't see a way in which God does not show up. Because where there is God, there is a miracle waiting to happen. God is a God of miracles, and he's also a God of provision. He'll always give you exactly what you need. Does it mean it's going to be overflowing? No. No. Sometimes it's last minute. But God is a God of miracles and provision, and he never gives up because he's also a God of faithfulness. God is a God of faithfulness. He'll never turn his back on you. So where were the Israelites coming out of? Egypt. And where are they going? Home. They're going home. They're going home. And so to get where we're going, you have to understand they're going home. They're coming out of Egypt for 430 years. They've been under the rule of Pharaoh. And the only laws, the only guidelines, the only religion, the only anything they've ever known has been a system from an oppressor. That's all they have ever known. So everything we're getting into is brand new to them. They've only ever been used to build Pharaoh's kingdom. And now God shows up and he wants them to be his kingdom. Do you understand the difference, the significance here? The fact that when you come in here into this church building, there's no talk about, hey, we want to build this church up. It's we want to build you up so you can go out and be his church. 
Welcome home doesn't mean it stays here. Welcome home means your family as you walk out those doors and into your community and treat people like Jesus. That's welcome home. If you can't do that, I guarantee you these seats will never be full. But you do it and watch what happens as God shows up. Turn one page back. You're in Exodus chapter 19. Verses 1 through 3. You're setting the scene here at Mount Sinai. And here's Moses walking up to God. And then right after Moses, God speaks. And he says this. You saw what I did for you. Now remember, we're in Egypt. For 430 years, by this time, the only thing they remember really of God is stories. This oral tradition and history that's been passed down for ages and ages. So they've only heard of things. But that's been generations. The old is gone and there is no new. It's just 430 years of slavery. So they only heard and now they know. And so God says, remember... You saw what I did for you. You saw where you were. You saw how I worked. And now I'm moving you. If you obey me fully. I don't know if anyone's ever given you permission, but if you have a Bible, mark it up right now. Circle, highlight, underline. If you obey me fully, then you will be my treasure. You will be For me, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. A kingdom of priests and a holy nation. A church that is my ambassador in the world. You will be the best representation I have for a world that is so incredibly far from me. And if you think this just applies here to Exodus in the Old Testament, then you haven't been reading about Jesus. Because that's the same call he puts on our lives today. You will be my kingdom. And then there it is. And they said yes. They said yes. They went to the elders and the elders like, we're on board. And they said yes to the dress before they even put it on. Do you ever feel like sometimes you say yes before you know everything that's going to happen? All the time, right? All the stinking time. But it's easy to do. Because you consider where they came out of, right? 430 years of slavery. I'll say yes to everything, right? Absolutely. But they said yes. Which meant from that point on, it's go time. If you do this, then you will be. All right. There it is. These are the rules. These are the guidelines. Stick to this, and we're good. We're good. We're good. So now, flip back over to Exodus chapter 20. Three days, we're prepping for this. Now remember, three commandments, our relationship to him. Seven, our relation to one another. And what is the response in verse number 18 Fear. Fear. To the same God that worked a miracle, that provided a way out, who did everything that he did in Egypt, 
their response to this new way of life was fear. I can't help but think how many of us, when we first came to faith, that next morning we woke up and we were scared and we didn't know what to do because our life had been a wreck and we had been drunk for so many days in a row. This was the first day sober and now we could finally see. But how do we do life like this? How do we live as Christ followers? How do we live? Because after this, what is there? You have your Ten Commandments and then you keep reading. How many of you guys just like to read Exodus for fun? Exactly. Because you keep reading and then it goes through. All right, let me just do this real quick. How many of you could just tell me the Ten Commandments right now? Like a few hands, right? How many of you got like 20? You can do 20. Yeah, because some of you in here are going, wait, there's more than 10? Yeah, there's 613. Who's got them all? Anyone in here? Like for real, I will take you out to lunch right after this. It'll be magical. No one? No one has it. No one has it. Not a single person has it. But that's where Exodus goes. Here's the 10. Oh yeah, here's now 613. If you do this, we're solid. We're solid. Things like this. And raise your hand if you remember this. Or have heard it before. First, do not mistreat or oppress a foreigner. Ooh, hot button topic. I live in San Diego. And I hear chuckles here. I'm telling you, this one right here rings true in our churches in San Diego like nothing else. Do not mistreat or oppress a foreigner. (laughs) I guarantee you cannot be the hands and feet of Jesus unless you accept them coming over the border for fear of their lives. Do not mistreat or oppress a foreigner. It is in your face every single day there. How many of you have heard this? Do not take advantage of the widow or the fatherless. Anyone? Here's another one for you. Don't spread fake news. That's the same response that first service got. It's because they're all on Facebook. Don't spread fake news. Because when you do, bad things happen. That's in there. How many of you are guilty? And now keep in mind before you raise your hand, I've seen some of your timelines. It's true. The law isn't just a set of guidelines meant to mark our best path forward. It's to expose our need for a savior. To expose our need like we, we just can't do it. We can't do it. We need a loving, we need a merciful God who's going to stay faithful to us because there's no way on God's green earth we're staying faithful to him. It's just the reality. This is just the reality. So after that, what is the Israelites' response? Here's now all the law. And they went from fear to everything the Lord has said we will do. We're going to do it. We are going to do it. And so then God calls Moses up to the mountain, right? And he's there for how long? 
Uh, first service got this one. They're there for 40 days and 40 nights. And I'm thinking on the 30, 39th day, he's like, peace. I'm tired. I'm done. 40 days and 40 nights. And as this happens, Moses establishes, or God establishes Moses as the leader. Aaron as his right-hand man. The elders, every single one said, we're in. We're in. The people are scared. They're still fearful, but they're on board so far. And now it's time for the tablets. How many of you have been writing things down so far? 70% better recollection for those who write things down. Ten commandments are written so that the people don't forget. Because so far, there's been this long oral tradition. And over a period of time, people forget. But now that they're written down, they won't just be on some tablets tucked away in a closet. They'll be in your face daily. You have a Bible in your hand. You have a Bible in front of you. Because God doesn't want his word stored on your bookcase. He wants it in your hand. It's meant to be read It's meant to be in your face because it's living, it's active, and it's meant to give you new life. That's where it's supposed to be. But patience is a son of a gun, isn't it? How many of you in here are patient by nature? No. But to live in Silicon Valley, to live in California, to live in San Diego— You need to accept a little bit of patience, otherwise you just kill the person in front of you on the highway. It's just true. But for them, the Israelites, everything was about patience. They were in slavery for 430 years, and they couldn't wait 45 days. And in a moment, they traded it all. How quickly have you traded it all? I mean, for real, be honest. You don't need to say it out loud. It's cool. But how quickly have you traded it all? You came to faith, you did the deed, you've served in church, and you've just decided in your life to say, I'm good. I got this. How long did that take? A day? A week? A month? How many of your kids came to Christ here and aren't following him any longer? How long did it take? In just over a month, the Israelites traded 400 years of slavery for a few months of freedom. Open up Exodus chapter 32. Because in order to get 20, you need to get 32. When the people saw that Moses was long and coming down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods. Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses, 
who brought us out of Egypt. We don't know what happened to him. And Aaron answered him, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they had handed him and made it into an idol, cast in the shape of a calf. Then they said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. How quickly do we turn from what is right to what we know the best? Moment of honesty, right? How quickly do we turn? But for those of you in here who are just thinking, oh, it's just a random bull. They just caught up in sin. They wanted something to worship. You're wrong. You're wrong. In the Egyptian religion, this bull had a name. You can look it up later. It's Apis Bull. And this bull was the god that would be the mediator between gods. These Egyptians weren't just sinful. Or the, the Israelites weren't just sinful. They were, they were scared. They did not know what to do. And so they did the only thing they knew. Does this make a little bit more sense now? In your life, does it make a little bit more sense? That when you are set free, or when your friends, or when your family are set free, how quickly they go back to the only thing they've ever known? I hope it makes sense. But now that you understand it, you also need to embrace the fact that this was a rebuff against God and against Moses, against God and his plan, against Moses as his chosen leader. They were done. Central's about ready to enter this phase of looking for a new lead pastor. I got to tell you, man, if you're not on board, get out. If you're not on board with the mission and the vision and the leadership, there's other churches around. Because we're just a buffet at God's, we're just a meal at God's grand buffet. I mean, I'm telling you, you got to choose. If you're in, you're in. And this is family because we say welcome home here. I remember sitting across from a man named Tim who had just revealed to his wife that he'd been cheating on her for years. He's been addicted to pornography and it led to strip clubs. And from strip clubs, it led to hookers. And from hookers, it led to a long-term relationship with someone. And he had just revealed. And I'm sitting across from him in his incredible complex in a multi-millionaire or multi-billionaire and he didn't know what to do. How could a man who seemingly has legitimately everything life ever had to offer be so broken, hopeless and destitute, fallen? How could he let this happen? He had it all. Because he's like you and me and everyone else in this room who hit a really hard point in his life and just needed the easiest way out. What breaks you can either destroy you or leave you empty so only God can fill you up. Let's go back to these Israelites. 
in chapter 32. And they're dancing and they're worshiping around the fire and around this calf. And they're having a good time. And do you ever think the Bible is wrong in how it writes things? Every once in a while I do. It's like right there, I almost wish Moses didn't just write. Are you freaking kidding me? Like seriously? You couldn't wait? I, I, I feel like the spirit must have really moved within Moses at this point. Because he wrote this, but I can't imagine this is what he wanted to write. Like you couldn't just be a little bit more patient. Those 430 years, you're under slavery, and now you're just under slavery a different way. What are we doing here? Pick up with Moses and Aaron in chapter 32, verses 21. Moses said to Aaron, what do these people do to you that you led them into such great sin? Do not be angry, my Lord. You know how prone these people are to evil. They said to me, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what happened to him. So I told them, whoever has any gold jewelry, take it off. They gave it to me and I threw it in the fire and out came this calf. As if, right? What a magical scene. What an absolutely magical scene. And you go into 31. Because Moses gets all this and he goes, I got to talk to God about this one. So Moses went back to the Lord and said, Oh, what great sin these people have committed. They made themselves gods of gold. But now please forgive their sin. But if not, maybe uh, don't blot me out of your book. I'm cool. Then Lord replied to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Now go, lead the people to the place I spoke of, and my angel will go before you. However, when the time comes for punishment, I will punish them for their sin. The Israelites are coming out of Egypt, and they're going where? Home. And now, because they went their way, they're never going to get to see home. They're never going to get to see it. When God calls us into freedom, he means it. He absolutely means it. It's to forget what is behind and press on toward that goal to which he has called us heavenward. Our past is a trap. Our sin is a trap. That's why, that's why the commandments. Because we need reminders. We need reminders. I would not be able to run my life and do my business without reminders on my phone going off every hour. I can't imagine that in this room, I'm the only one. We need reminders. We need accountability. Because again, there's no right to privacy in a healthy Christian community. But more importantly, we need God in our face. And I'm telling you right here, in our hands. So how do we do it? How do, we, how do we do this? Like, for real. How do we do this? You look back so you can see what's ahead. I want to tell you how to stay focused and how to live free. First is to remember 
your rescue. Remember your rescue. This is a new beginning. It's not the old, rebranded. It is a new beginning. Remember your calling, especially as it's in here. It's not be a church. It's to be his kingdom. That you and you and you and you and you, you are part of the kingdom. As you go out, you represent him. To remember your people. Because as we say, welcome home, we say you are family. You are family. So we end where we began. Flip back over to Exodus chapter 20. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods but me. I'm it. And that's more than enough. Remember I am. I am. God's literal name be. Some of you are going, wait, what? Yeah, you've been doing it wrong your whole life. His name is B. B. I was, I am, I am to come, I'm past, I'm present, I'm future, I am B. I be. Some of you English people in here are kind of going, don't think so. It's the reality. God be. He be. I am the Lord. I am Jehovah, the all-existing one. Your God, Elohim, King, Judge. I am the Father, I am the Son, I am the Holy Spirit who brought you out of that pit of Egypt because I am your rescuer. Remember this. You saw it. Because of it, there will never, ever, ever, ever be another God but me. And don't forget it. And if we were obedient, faithful followers, I can guarantee you that at that point, this would have just went like this. It would have. Because 430 years was horrible. It destroyed everything about them. They lost their identity. And now God's here saying, you're going to be my kingdom. Do this, and we're good. And if they could have, it would have just ended. And life would be different today. But because we are who we are, it went on. And it exposed our need for a savior. And if you're wondering, how in the world do I take this home with me? It's this. Ten commandments. Don't go back. Move forward. Here's how. Write this down in your notes. Luke chapter 13, 10 through 13. On a Sabbath. Remember that? On a Sabbath. 
Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over. She couldn't straighten up at all. And when Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said, Woman, you're set free. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up. And she praised God. Because when God sets you free, you are free indeed. Church, this is where it's at. This is where it's at to push off the past and lean hard into the now so you can experience his grace in the future. And when you do, I guarantee you, you're going to find that freedom that's been missing your entire life. Let's pray. God, thank you for second chances, for new beginnings, for a a new way home that we've never known before. Lord, I pray today for, for those people who are in here who are hearing about you for the first time. May they look to you and see that you are good. May they look to the rest of the church family in here and see that it is worth it. Because a punk kid can come back home 20 years later and preach God and be faithful and have a kid and have two kids and have a wife who all love you. Lord, may we all in our own way, shape, or form find a way back home. I pray this today in your son's name.